We them guys, let me bring you on the block. This the movie, Red Box. We don't like the Red Sox. Fire hydrants on blast when the town get hot. Drink tequila by the ounce at the hookah spot. If you ain't from here, you cannot survive here. But you with the crew, so you can come disguise here. Step up in our shoes, let us give you the news. And tell you all the things that others who scared to. My city worldwide, so how can I fear you? We wasn't raised on the sick code, I'ma spare you. This is not a scene that you can compare to. You might as well soak it all in while you here, dude. Cause this is the birthplace of rap, R.I.P. the pun. Couple more seconds in the show's begun. I said, birthplace of rap, R.I.P. the pun. Couple more seconds in the show's begun. And that's from the Bronx with love, from the Bronx with A. Bronx with love, from the Bronx with A. A. Bronx with love, from the Bronx with Welcome to From the Bronx with Love, a podcast where we explore pop culture, food, music, and as a bonus, random rants all done with a multicultural lens. We're your hosts, Karen and Dom. Welcome everyone to this episode, which it was it's the last one of February. And that's how fast it went. We made it. We made it. <laughs> Two months into 2019. I know. Oh, and you know what I've been seeing a lot on Instagram, which Mm -hmm. obviously doesn't apply right now since we're at the end of the month of February, but a lot of people for January, they were posting, thanks January, it's been a rough year or something like that. Yeah, because January felt like a year. (laughs) Really? This January actually didn't feel as long as last January, like... I don't know, last year, January went on forever. But I don't know, normally January does feel so long to me. Hmm, that could have been. But for me, it felt kind of short, which I think it might have been because of the trip. Yeah, you just like booked a trip to go to San Fran and you're like, I'm out of here. <laughs> so you like didn't even get most of the cold, like the long, yeah. cold, dark days. That just right. go on forever. Yep, you're you're right because I <laughs> like that first chunk of like really really cold weather. So that's why it felt short for me, and I was like, "Why are people posting this?" <laughs> but since we are indoors a lot because of this cold weather, and like we said, January was a long month. We have been watching a lot of TV, which up to this point, it's no secret to anyone. Mm-hmm. So. In a previous episode, I remember you had recommended the show Good Girls, mm-hmm. which after a, I was done with Sick Note, yeah. I started watching, and yeah. FYI, I watched it in a day, okay? <laughs> I was on a mission to finish this, this season in one day. Like, if I was washing dishes, I had my phone. If I was in my room cleaning, I had it on the computer. Like, mm-hmm. everywhere I went, I took it. And actually, that day, I didn't leave my apartment at all mm-hmm. until, like, I think it was, like, 10.30 at night. Mm-hmm. Anyway. That Dom, was let's me. <laughs> <laughs> now I understand why. Mm-hmm. So let's get started into this because I have a lot to say about this season. Yeah, so I remember seeing a lot of the promotion for the show. And I was like, oh, it looks interesting. But like it didn't really pique my interest to watch it while it was um, on air. 
And then I saw that it was on Netflix, like, and you know me. I think that's the thing. I'm like, I'm never really one to like watch something on television anymore because this is what technology does to you. It creates a solution to a problem you didn't think you had. Um, (laughs) And my problem was I'm impatient and I can't wait for episode by episode. So here's Netflix to give me everything I want in one sitting. So I did that. And oh my goodness, I was like, this show is way better than I expect. Like, I don't know if I had huge expectations for it. I was just like, "Eh." it's like on my list. You know what I'm saying? It's on my Uh list. But I, it knocked me, knocked me, (laughs) knocked me down. It was really good. It was a really good show. Yeah, it was. And actually, I was the same way as you. Like, you had recommended the show. So I thought, oh, okay, fine. I'll get to it. Mm Mm-hmm. And then I just started getting caught up in, like, the whole messiness of it. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I really liked it. And like you said, I wouldn't be able to watch TV and wait for a weekly episode, which is why I haven't started Vanderpump Rules or Superstore. I'm waiting until they're all out, and then I can binge. Yeah. Um, That's part of you. I... um you guys might be listening in on a huge confession of mine. Maybe will result in a fight, but Karen, I um, have been watching Vanderpump without you. I know. <laughs> oh, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> I think last time you did the same thing. Yeah. Well, okay. So I didn't watch it episode by episode. I think I waited until there was like a good six episodes in and then I watched all of that at once. But I, so this happened after I watched all the shows that I told you to watch. So I was like, I was done with Sick Note, Dairy Girls. Um, I rewatched Chewing Gum. I rewatched The Office, rewatched Parks and Rec, watched Good Girls. (laughs) And then I was like, I'm tapped out. And then I was like, oh, Vanderpump. <laughs> so, oopsies. We'll do another episode. Mm-hmm. Now that you, like, cheated on me mm-hmm. and watched the first few episodes. But once I'm done with the whole entire thing, I guess we can do an episode about it. Right, where I have to be show a lot of contrition for cheating on my co-host. <laughs> it's in your contract, Dom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but before we actually get into like all the details of good girls i want to say something uh-huh. oh yeah this feels so so good I think that manny montana who is the guy that plays real mm-hmm I don't know. I have a major crush on him. Oh, my God. I'm so happy you said that. (laughs) Oh, my God. I think I didn't text you this. He is. Oh, my. I had to pause sometimes and be like, whew. Got to take a little walk around this room. He is insanely attractive. And, like, this is the thing. This is the thing. We're talking about, like, you know, we've talked at length about representation in media. And, like, we really would like, you know, brown people to stop being gangbangers yeah 
that's with the, the exception of Rio. <laughs> yeah, that's the same thing I was thinking. Like when I first saw him, I was like, oh, so a brown guy had to be the criminal. Mm-hmm. But then I don't know what it was. It was the tattoos, the boys. Oops, sorry. Something <laughs> fell in my room. Sorry, guys. Karen is fainting currently. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking my entire desk with me as I faint. <laughs> but it was just the the that look, that bad boy look. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm melting. I can't. He is so... Whew. And like Karen and I have said multiple times on multiple episodes, we're like, we're all good. We're never going to fight for, over someone. We this might. This might be our first fight. Yes. <laughs> if we're not open to polyamory, may the best woman win. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, he is. Mm-hmm. Oh. I was very annoyed at me my whole life. Listen, I don't want him to be a gangbanger, but also like, wow. Right? He can rob me any day. <laughs> and as we are just talking about him, I'm looking up his info. Mm-hmm. And he's 35 years old, which, oh my Delicious. God. Right? But the thing is that he doesn't look 35. No, he doesn't. He looks like the oldest he looks is 28. Yeah, I was just about to say that. Mm-hmm. And he is from Long Beach, California. Mm-hmm. And he is of Mexican-American descent, according to Wikipedia. Delicious. All of it. I, I just, oh. <laughs> I need to be in California because if men like him were there... Oh my yeah. god. <laughs> as you said, Ufa, like she as she's looking at this up, Sneaky Karen is also booking a car- <laughs> a ticket. <laughs> On next week's episode, I'll announce that oh I'm, not, I'm, just, I'm like I'm moving. <laughs> <laughs> like guys, I just happen to have been in Long Beach and look who I ran into. <laughs> <laughs> I think he did a really good role in like Ah, he just, perfect. It was perfect. Like, I I don't know what else to say. Yeah, like, so, he, I think he's so good. I think the the writers also were really good at this tension between him and, what's her? I know her her name is an actress, Christina Hendricks, the redhead. Oh, Beth. Beth, yeah. Um, The tension between him and Beth, and it's like, Something about that contrast is so enticing. Yes. And it was it was great that they never crossed it where it's like, oh, you know that there's something between them. But like they never like gave like you didn't it's like such intense foreplay. Mm-hmm. But then like it's done. And then you don't <laughs> get the, you know, the end. But like that's yeah. good though. Like that was it great is. for me. <laughs> because it and at, at any point, like, you think, like, okay, it might happen. Mm-hmm. And then you keep thinking it, but then you, it never does. So it's mm-hmm. just, yeah, it's just perfect. Yeah, and I like that he scares her, too. <laughs> I would like to be scared by him. Yeah. <laughs> Karen is Beth. <laughs> Karen is like, can you please cast me as the Mexican Beth, please? <laughs> he needs a brown woman counterpart. He does. Um, no, I do like that. 
he scares her. I think Beth is also, I think all of the um, characters, although like I was like, I don't like that he's a gangster. I think they're so multidimensional. So like he isn't just like the, like, you know, come in and pistol whip you kind of criminal. Like he is a little hot-headed, which I love. <laughs> um, but he also is like, you can't read him. And that's like a little like jarring. That's, that's so intriguing. And he can be very level headed when he wants to. And then he can like scare you when he wants to. Mm-hmm. And that's like, it makes you think like he's not just like this, like, like I said, he's not just like this game maker. He's like kind of like you can tell there's like a little bit of a mastermind going on behind there. And like, you know, like he, like, you know, he's like, working within a system gaming the system as well and i it's just like really like (sighs) and i think in the (laughs) i think in the second season we'll get more of his backstory because i do remember a part where beth mentioned and well she was asking him about a child Mm -hmm. so yeah i remember that so i think Perhaps in the second season, they'll give us, like, more insight as to, like, maybe how he got into, like, that whole criminal uh, world. Mm-hmm. Which I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it because, yes, please give me more of Manny. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I feel like our entire episode could just be like, he's so cute. <laughs> that's all, gonna, that's all the, our audience is going to hear. <laughs> Um, no, like, I, and I, like, also kind of root for him. I don't know if that makes sense. Like, I want, like, it's not like I'm actively rooting for him to, like, kill people. But I'm like, you know what? He's working hard. (laughs) Yeah. No, I I think I understand what you're saying. Because based on, like, the little info that we have of him, it it could be that, like, he didn't choose mm-hmm. that lifestyle. Like, he, he just had no other way. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm thinking. Because yeah. if you look at the overall show, these housewives, they didn't just go rob a store for the fun of it. Like, mm-hmm. they, they did it because they were in some type of necessity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, yeah, you're right. It's just, like, it shows more, like, nuance Mm -hmm. um in like people's motivations you know yeah I mean I would say like obviously I guess like there are definitely other ways to get that kind of money but still like they were really in dire dire situations and it's like you can't just like look at someone who has a home and probably drives cars and their kids are in school and be like, oh, they're all settled. Especially like in this like this time of like massive in- income inequality, a lot of people are actually house poor. Like they only have the assets. They don't like they're living paycheck to paycheck when mm-hmm. it comes to like net pay. Yeah. So like, yeah, you don't have to be like in an alleyway somewhere where there's a trash can on fire and like you have like a cat next to you begging for food to be real to be to like be in like such dire straits you can literally have a roof over your head and still have no um really um 
financial stability. Stability. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a really important thing that I gathered from that, which is like, oh wow, like these women look like your neighbors, and like <laughs> they, some of them like look like well, probably not our moms. Um, <laughs> you know, for the viewers, some viewers probably they look like you know your mom or like your friend's mom or whatnot, and you're just like, yeah, like that. This is not without the. This is not. This is within the realm of possibility. You know what I mean? Yeah. Espe- yeah, especially like you said, right now with like the current situation, like we've been hearing about a lot of people being laid off. Obviously, with the government shutdown, there there are people that were depending on those checks. Mm-hmm. And sure, they could be living in a nice house and own a car, but they were depending on that check in order to pay off the the mortgage or the, the debt that they have for the car. And so, like you said, the, these three women are your average woman, and it, mm-hmm. it like shows you, you, you can't judge based on mm-hmm. what you see. Yeah, that's true. However, I do think that at one point, Beth just got a little bit too ambitious. And I think the whole thing about being this criminal was kind of like her adrenaline. Yeah. Oh, you are so right. So like we were talking about like how we have this chemistry, um, Rio and Beth, but like Beth actually, it came to like, it was like, yeah, we got it done out of necessity. But then when the mission was accomplished and accomplished without a hitch, mm-hmm. or at least a little bit, she kind of got like, oh, if I can do that, then I can keep doing it. And then she really got into the intrigue. And I would say like the romance of it, because like she was the one who out of all of them, like did not have a fulfilling relationship. Like, a marriage and oh, she was like really crumpled crumbled sorry crumbled by that like she, like her world kind of like changed drastically when she realized one she's in massive debt because her husband's gross mm-hmm. but then also her husband because her husband is gross he's also having an affair with his like really young secretary so like those two things happen really shattered her like world view or how she perceived yeah. her own world and she doesn't have like that like love and care and attention and obviously there's like a sexual component (laughs) yeah and like when you like you said the adrenaline I think adrenaline um and fear and desire are all in the same parts of our brain or like similar feelings yeah with those and like she really tapped into like something that was missing in her own life and she tapped into that and like funneled it into a life of crime Yep. I noticed it when I think I forget after what situation happened. And then they were like, okay, let's stop this. Cause it, it's going to, it's going to dig us into a deeper hole. And I remember there was this part where she was with her kids on the swing set and with the rest of the mommies. And they were talking about PTA meetings, all of this mommy stuff. And she was just there like, like she was on pilot mode. She was just, she looked bored. She looked like she missed the whole adrenaline of like being this like master criminal and everything. Yeah. <clears throat> I think so. And I like always kind of feel this because I grew up in the suburbs. 
Um, I feel like they kind of, especially if you're like middle class, upper middle class suburbs, it's kind of made in a way to kind of like sedate you. And like you kind of just, I don't know, there's something so really boring about it. <laughs> and and like you really do, you get into like the routine of things when you're, um, you know, you got to like drive the kids off to soccer practice and then you have PTA meetings and then like, you know, your husband goes to work, you're home. Not always. I don't even think that like there are housewives like that who actually stay home for the most part but like you know what I'm saying it's just like really routine and like oh, don't and get me started on commuting yeah and <laughs> well, that's the whole commute and things like that but I think like suburbs are like that's like kind of by design I don't know like I don't know how to like explain like that no. like the social component of it but like yeah I know what you're saying too, because I, I notice it and I get that feeling like when I'm visiting friends who also live in the suburbs and it's mm-hmm. just like, you feel this tranquility, mm-hmm. which at one point, like when you're coming from a crazy city like New York, mm-hmm. you feel like, okay, this is good. But then you also feel like nothing is happening at all. And you're just there doing the same thing over and over again. And I don't know. I don't know if I'm explaining it well. You said but I- it perfectly. And like also like the houses are built to look the same. The yards <laughs> are built to look the same. <laughs> everything. Like no matter if you walk down the block or anything, like everything looks the same. Everything is quiet. Everything is in its place. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, I guess like to a certain point, like I could understand why some people would get bored or something. Yeah. Yeah. And I definitely think that like her character really shows that like, yeah, like you said, like there's really nice tranquility and like you're meant to feel safe in the suburbs away from like the big, bad, scary city. And like, she Uh is just like this really prim and proper. I think she wears pearls too. Yes. Like, a really prim and proper, like, white woman with pearls. And you just, like, you know. I know. You know. She's, like, very Americana. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, like, that representation is a facade. She's, like, I don't want to wear pearls. She uses her um, stolen money to buy really, like, a really expensive um, necklace um and she like you said she's like really bored when she really is part of that or like tries to conform to that and then she realizes like no this is this is a facade like the kids are real the house is real the car is real the life the image is Uh real that is perfect Mm -hmm. which i i actually i think she is the complete opposite of her sister, Annie. Uh huh. Who is uh, her? The actress name is Maine Withman. Yeah, they're like the complete opposite. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know. In some way, I feel like obviously Beth is like this. When you see her on the surface, she's mm-hmm. like very put together, housewife, follows the rules. Meanwhile, Annie is like all over the place. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> like if you the scenes that were that take place in her apartment like it's messy mm-hmm. and also at some point it's like her child is her parent mm-hmm. so yeah I just feel like even other sisters they're very very different from each other which mm-hmm. I'm not saying is bad and obviously there's a lot of siblings that are like that I think most of them are uh, but you wonder like huh like how were they raised <laughs> Yeah, um, and I think that's a good point that you say, like, I feel like as we're talking about, like, Beth's, like, deep down what she wants, Annie, like, they are really opposite because I feel like Annie projects a lot of, like, craziness and instability and, you know, she doesn't care about status quo, but she, I think she actually does, like, just want a home with her child, yeah, that's like, important. Yeah, like she just like wants to be like a family and be with her um child and just like feel that kind of comfortable where like Beth is like I am comfortable and I don't want to like I want something more. Mm-hmm. And I do notice that. Like Annie like on the surface like you'll be like oh Annie's like this wild child party girl. <laughs> but it seems like she just is so she's um I think she, not not that she's not confident, but she just like has so much that she's trying to fill up. She, you know what I'm saying? Like she just has like a lot going on that she puts um, out where she like she wouldn't be comfortable of just just sitting and being with herself. She needs oh. to like fill up the space mm-hmm. with a lot of mess. And a lot of um, instability. Yeah. Um, yeah, now yeah. that you mentioned that, I think that's right. Because remember when her daughter goes to Hawaii with her dad and mm-hmm. the dad's girlfriend? Mm-hmm. See her there and it's like she doesn't know what to do with herself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and even her daughter was asking her like, oh, are you sure you're going to be okay? Yeah. Yeah. And then, like you said, Beth is the type that will hide everything and, like, makes make it seem like everything is okay. Well, mm-hmm. as like, you clearly know when something is not okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do love her character, though. I feel like out of all three of them, she's very, like, witty and... Funny. Ah, yeah. interesting. I actually did not... I don't know. I didn't have any expectation to who your favorite was, but I actually... I was like... Huh. You like Annie. <laughs> I do because I feel like she's also the type that will she's adventurous, I think. Uh-huh. And obviously like I think she was the first one to propose that they go out uh-huh. the store. Yeah, she was. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think she thought that the other two wouldn't agree with it. Uh-huh. And she was surprised actually when they were all in there. Mm-hmm. But I feel like she she is adventurous and she's that type of person that will take a risk. But it's sometimes like she doesn't have that confidence yet. Yeah, to take bigger risk that uh-huh. will improve her and obviously her daughter's situation. Yeah, she doesn't trust herself. Yes, yes. Uh-huh. So that's why I see how probably in later um, seasons, which I hope this this show has a lot more seasons. Mm-hmm. I think we will see more like character growth from her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Um, well, speaking of favorites, I would say my actual favorite, um, Rio is, hmm, you know. Rio but, is the hottie. Yeah, but my favorite is Retta's character, um, Donna from uh, Parks and Rec. Yes! She is good in this. I love her in this role. Um, I really like all of them. So, like, none of them are unlikable to me. Like, in some shows, there's clearly a couple people who you're like, you really aren't meant to like these people. I really like all of them. But Donna... um, I keep calling her Donna. <laughs> What's her name? Her name is Retta. Yeah, Retta. Um, <laughs> Retta's character um, is great because, like, where the other two kind of lack, like, Annie lack the, she lacks, like, the family unit because she's a single mother. Mm-hmm. And um, Beth lacks, like, that intimacy with her husband um, because her husband's a scumbag. Yeah. Retta has that, so she has a really loving family, really supportive husband, and they're just really, like, financially strapped. Um, but, like, you can tell they have, like, really, like, they're really solid. They're really solid. Um, but the yeah, thing I'm... The of... Oh, go ahead. You know, the thing I'm, like, really interested in is, like, throughout... The, like she has the most to lose mm-hmm. her stakes are so so yeah. high she can lose her child and like later on we realize she could really lose her husband oh, wow. because of what she's doing and that's like she like I said has it all like in a very genuine sense so like you can see her and you see she has it all um but she also has the highest stakes. Like, she can lose it, like, lose it all. And, I'm like, oh, this is so intriguing in terms of, like, tension. Yeah. And, <laughs> and yeah, it's in conflict. So, um, yeah, because I feel like the type of family that she has is mm-hmm. the type of family that they, they are the ones that stick together no matter what. And they always say, like, don't worry, we're going to get through this. We have each other. And that's the most important thing. Like, it kind of reminds me of, like, in some aspects of, like, my family. They're like, no, don't worry. We're together. We have each other. That's the most important thing. And now as a family, we're going to see what we do in order to get through this. Mm-hmm. So that is, like, the, the biggest support and so many times throughout the show, I was also thinking the same. Like you said, Dom, like she's going to lose her family if mm-hmm. she gets caught in this. Yeah. And that feeling, like, uh, it just, I don't know. Like I could, some in some way, like I could feel for her. Like I know yeah. what that would be like. Yeah, I'm like literally biting. I have acrylics on and I'm biting them. I'm scared for her. I'm like it. There are some moments I'm really, really scared for her. Because, like, as happy as you are when she, like, does get the money and, like, is able to, like, pay for her daughter's um, treatment, Mm -hmm. you're as scared for her when she's taking another risk. Yeah. And you just know, like, obviously you know what they're, 
that what they're doing is not right. And you understand mm-hmm. the motives because at the end, all these three women are mothers mm-hmm. and they're all doing it for their kids. Mm-hmm. But then when you see her and, and it's like, you're going to lose your family. Mm-hmm. And it's just very conflicting because obviously she's doing it because she wants to save her, her daughter's life. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it's not right again to go steal. <laughs> so it, it puts you in that situation where you're just like, uh Yeah. I know. Yeah. But I do love her character. And there was this scene mm-hmm. which oof, I could watch a million times. Mm-hmm. And it's the one where that stupid kid is rude to her at the diner where she works at. Oh, my gosh. And then remember that the mommy comes claiming that they're going to sue. Mm-hmm. It was rude to her child. And apparently like he was so burned. Da, da, da. Mm-hmm. And Retta, the character, she gives like this amazing speech. And she basically is like, obviously your child knows he can get away with this shit because you're backing him up and he feels entitled. Yeah. I just love that whole entire speech. And, and I'm going to look for the clip of it uh, on YouTube. And if I find it, I will link it in the show notes. Because I think a lot of people don't realize that those that work in the service industry, mm-hmm. they're not there just to please you in every single little aspect. She, it's her job. Obviously, she needs it to, to sustain her family. But that doesn't give anyone the right to treat someone else like that. I know like you're better you know just because you're the customer oh my god I saw on Twitter actually the other day that the customer you know the the saying the customer is always right um I saw someone uh tweets uh saying the customer is always right is one of the biggest capitalist scams I was like oh tell me about it it just breeds like entitlement from people who like I don't know. It's just they view transaction as something that like is so one sided. Literally, though, it's a transaction like you are paying for a service. You know what I'm saying? Like you couldn't do the thing that you're paying for on your own, which is why you're leaving your house. And let's say you want to get a burger from McDonald's. You can't make a McDonald's burger. Which is why you weren't there. Yeah, which is why you're there. So, like, stop demeaning a cashier. Yes, that's the word, demeaning. Like, at the end of the day, I feel like most of us are employees. Mm -hmm. Whether you're working at a restaurant or you have this fancy tech job. Like, hello, a lot Mm -hmm. of layoffs were coming from tech industry right now. So that it's not like you're exempt to layoffs. Like they're going to happen to you. You know what? A lot of the, like, especially like people, it doesn't even matter your age. Like a lot of these people who like feel so entitled, like the very first lesson they got that from is, is from their parents and they've been coddled all their lives from their parents and their parents are, their parents before them probably gave them the same stupid lesson. Oh, yes. You bring up a perfect point. And the way that that mother was talking to, to Retta, mm-hmm. how that that kid learned it from mm-hmm. her. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I used to actually, because I noticed that when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I kind of was like, I wasn't a ter- like I wasn't a bad kid, but like I remember at one point I really hated doing homework. Um, <laughs> it was my, it was I remember it was like fifth through sixth grade. I don't know. I was really bored with doing homework for some reason. Um, not that I'm saying like I was a genius kid and the homework wasn't challenging, but I just like didn't want to do homework when I came home. <laughs> You're just like my brother. My brother was the same way. Yeah, I like it was like a one year phase though. I obviously made it and went to grad school so I am someone who does do homework um <clears throat> I, but at that time I really didn't like doing homework and like my my teachers would be like you know we're gonna have a talk with your parents and like see what's going on here and I was like I knew like my like and this was uh in elementary school and we didn't have like that many um uh, it was, like, not that diverse in that, like, there were multiple, like, nationalities or types of people. It was, like, mo- for the most part, um, Haitian-American. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a couple people um, who were not Haitian. And, like, their their families were very Americanized. And I remember, like, noticing like the americanized parents would always go to bat for their children Mm. and i'm like in my mind i remember seeing this i was like why don't they ever defend me and my parents didn't they were like you're not doing your homework you need to do your homework and in my mind bratty little child that i was i was like no you should be on my side don't listen to the teacher like you should be telling the teacher I'm going to be doing my homework on, at my pace. And my parents are like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thankful for that. Like I had like great like immigrant parents who are like, no, we're, you did something wrong. You're going to be met with those consequences. Yeah. I, 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 I think you're right in that aspect because my parents were the same way. This is like a whole other topic in general, but a parent's job is not to protect the child from the world. It's mm-hmm. to make them responsible mm-hmm. and strong to to face the world. Absolutely. And to understand mm-hmm. that every action has a consequence. Absolutely. Like, I agree. Like, I agree with like especially after watching um like this is gonna be another topic too after watching um surviving r kelly and seeing how a couple of these parents were really lax and like one parent actually was like took their 15 year old to an r kelly concert which is like notoriously raunchy Mm -hmm. i didn't even watch that as like a 21 year old but whatever they took their 15 year old and then their they like brought the 15 year old backstage and (laughs) watching that and now like they're still looking for their daughter it's like three years later and they're still looking for their daughter and watching that I was like okay I'm still kind of annoyed that I didn't have like the American childhood experience where I didn't have sleepovers at other people's houses but like I'm actually really thankful that my parents (laughs) were like really protective of me in that regard and like really like they understood that but then, like, it's also really important, conversely, to not protect me from responsibility. Yes. Yes. 
And I think yeah. that's what a lot of uh, American parents do. Yeah, American <coughs> white. Um. <laughs> <laughs> But speaking about that, mm-hmm. I, um, I also, I think we haven't really touched upon Annie's daughter, mm-hmm. Sadie. Yeah. And I think, like, her character also, they, they, they go in a little bit on her situation, which is obviously these dumbass yeah. kids making fun of how she looks. Yeah. But I think she's also a very brave child. Mm-hmm. And for her age, she, she's a very mature kid. Because, obviously, her parents are not together. Kids are making fun of her at school. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't, I, I feel like she doesn't let all of that really, like, hurt her. Yeah, she's incredible. Um, she's incredible because given what she, given what she grew up in, mm-hmm. and, like, all that instability, she's so grounded. And I yeah. think maybe, like, she realized that. She had to, like, if no one's going to be, the rock that I need, I have to do that for myself. Mm-hmm. I would say I'm really happy, though, that, like, given everything, the one thing that Annie is doing really, really great and is consistent in is, like, being there for her daughter and her daughter's, yeah. like, identity and just creating that space for her. Like, like you, like I said, like your parents are your first everything. They're, like it's your first home. Like your mother's womb is your first home. They're your first mm-hmm. teachers. They're your first protectors. They're like the people who teach you how to like love and interact and things like that. And like it's really, really, really crucial. Like as a parent, <laughs> that you, I'm not saying do this perfectly, but and you're bound to make mistakes, but at least the fundamentals at least understand that, like, if your child is probably not what society has dictated people should be, which is nonsense, but that's, you know, we don't want to go on a society yeah. tangent here because <laughs> I will never end with me. <laughs> um If society is being harsh, at least you can be that, like, really safe and comforting place for yeah. your child that they yeah. can eventually retreat to. Um, and I think it's great that she's also very outwardly combative. And, like, she was like, no one's making my child feel like garbage. And I think yeah. that's an amazing thing. And she even said that to, to the dad, to Sadie's dad, because mm-hmm. there was a part where he was saying how, you know, she, she needed help, like she needed a therapist because all these kids were making fun of her. And Annie tells him, no, the kids making fun of her need the therapist because there's yes. nothing wrong with my daughter. Yes, absolutely. And I was like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with her. Nope. And these stupid kids have to get over the fact Like, that's who she is. She's being herself. Right. Why can't you just accept that? Right. And then who taught those kids those things? Their parents. Exactly. I think, like, this whole episode is not, well, not the entire episode, but parenting has a lot to do (laughs) in a lot of the aspects of this show. I really, yeah. Like, the more we talk about it, the more we're like, huh. They themselves are parents, but then their children 
and then the other parents involved. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm really excited for the second season. I'm happy to have my expectations exceeded um, a lot with this first season. And like you said, I really hope that they have more than one or two or three seasons. I would mm-hmm. be happy with five. Yeah. <laughs> FYI, we're, I kind of want to put this disclaimer out there. Like, we're not saying that crime is justified. Oh, right. <laughs> we're just a saying, disclaimer. Yeah. We're just saying, like, okay, these women, it, it's showing you, like, what drove these women to take that drastic decision. Mm-hmm. But we're not at all saying that crime is okay because mm-hmm. it's not. Yep. That's a very good point. Um, yeah, it's not like they do this crime and that, you know, it's justified and we're rooting for them to not get caught. Um, and we're like, they're the good guys, actually, or actually good girls. <laughs> <laughs> um, like we understand, like we understand as a viewer the risks. They understand as characters the risks. And we're just saying like, we understand what drove them to this. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because I think in the world we would be in today, I think, like, for Retta's character, she could just, like, I wouldn't say it's that easy, but she could have launched a GoFundMe, and then that would be the end of her Mm storyline. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, there's other other avenues other than robbing a grocery store right that was laundering bad money (laughs) (laughs) Um. Uh oh yeah this feels so so good we them guys let me bring you yes i do want to highlight an event that i went to Mm -hmm. which was organized by La Trenza, and there was a whole bunch of financial knowledge that was dropped on us. So I just want to thank them for putting together that event, and it was mostly for people of color, and as you know, Dom, not a lot of families really, like, give you this financial advice Mm -hmm. that we have family homes that are passed on from generation to generation. No. don't have that generational wealth. Yeah. And so this workshop that they put together really helps to explore, like, okay, if I don't have, like, that home that was passed down, like, what else can I do in order to improve my financial situation? Mm-hmm. Um, so I really want to highlight them. If you haven't done so already, check them out. We'll put the links in our description box. I mean, in the info box. <laughs> but please do check them out. And I'm also going to link the platform that was the one in charge of giving the workshop. Nice. Yeah. All right. (laughs) We are done. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And if you haven't done so, please watch Good Girls. Yeah. Although we kind of ruined it, but oops. Well, yeah, watch it in time for uh, (laughs) the second season, which is like a couple of days from now. Yes. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and we'll catch you guys on the next episode. Bye.
This podcast was executive produced by Karen Almonte. You can follow us on social media to keep up with your favorite Bronx ladies. From the Bronx with Love is part of Anthology House Media. Bronx.